0: Good morning from the racing capital of the world. This is the Cyber.now podcast. My name is Nick Sturgeon. Thank you once again for joining this episode, episode 68. And I apologize for not being able to get an episode out last week. I had family in town and with all the stuff that was going on with them, just couldn't find the time to carve out an opportunity to record. So anyway... Life happens. It's unfortunate because you know how much I really enjoy putting on these episodes. But my name's Nick Sturgeon, obviously the host and show creator of the Cyber.Now podcast. It's been a busy couple weeks, not only with family coming in, my job has kept me pretty hopping with some speaking engagements, some training opportunities, and a few other things just from the the day-to-day responsibilities. But I want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening to this episode and taking time out of your day to do so. As you know, time is the one resource that we do not get back and are not guaranteed. I really appreciate you spending that valuable resource on this podcast. For those of you that are first-time listeners, thank you for tuning in. It is my goal to keep you coming around and just engaged weekend and week out. If you are a returning listener, your continued support is very much appreciated. Outside of listening, I ask only a couple of simple things, and that's if you find the show's content valuable, share the show with your network, your friends, your family, subscribe, rate, review, and go sign up for the mailing list at cybernowpod.com. For the latest news, insights, and all the behind-the-scenes information. So, we had the election a couple weeks ago now, or coming up on a couple weeks ago. And for those show listeners, you know that I put out a, well, called a request. Call it an open invitation for the local Speedway candidates to come on the show, talk about why the residents of Speedway should vote for them. I had one person that I was able to do that, had two more candidates, both of them Republicans, reach out. And unfortunately, because of the timing issue, had vacation coming up, two weeks at that point to to the election to get the interviews done and recorded and all that good stuff. It just wasn't able to actually make those last two interviews happen. Very appreciative of those two candidates who I will remain nameless at this point for wanting to come on and having the same guts and and just veracity to be able to stick it out on the line come on a a podcast like mine and talk about why people should vote for them well so i was out this weekend celebrating a friend of mine's birthday his 40th birthday and and my wife was with me because him and his wife and my wife and I are friends with them. And we had dinner. Dinner was okay. Had some issues with steak. How can you get a ribeye steak wrong? Not only once, but twice, but that's a whole other story. Anyway, so we leave where we had dinner and we go down Main Street to another fine establishment to do some mini bowling. And as my wife and I were walking in, we run into one of the candidates and their significant other. And this candidate, who I, at least at this point, will keep anonymous, says, hey, and and also, by the way, I know this candidate, have known this person, and my wife has known this person for some time, so not a stranger by any stretch of the imagination. But this person says, hey, just want to let you know, I did want to come on your podcast, but I was told by my campaign manager not to. Okay, you know, not a big deal necessarily. You know, you have to at least respect somewhat the, the fact that a campaign can choose which media outlets to engage with or not to engage with. No issues. But even after this person says, I know Nick, it's okay, still they were told no. But what it's find a little bit disheartening is somewhat not, I mean, I don't get any heartburn off of this or any hard feelings by any stretch of the imagination. But when I reached out to two other candidates in this particular political party, and said, hey, you know, personally invite you to come on the show. Not even a kiss my butt, go, you know, pound sand or something like that. You know, not even a hey... Yeah, you I know, appreciate the opportunity, but not interested. You know, just something along those lines would have been professional in my opinion. But the cold shoulder and the fact that they weren't even allowed to reach out to me to do that is a little bit disheartening again from my perspective. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see hopefully we'll be able to continue some dialogue with this person that I ran into on Friday night. I know I had reached out to the other two candidates from another political party who had said, Hey, come on. And like I said, couldn't get it uh, fit in and in time. But both of those candidates have said, yeah, they would want to come on to the show regardless of the results. Uh, And in this case, both of those candidates did up winning their election campaign. So look forward to having them on going to, Try to get those scheduled here uh, probably after the first of the year because the holidays and stuff like that is probably going to be a little difficult. But if I can schedule it and, and work it out to happen between now and the end of this year, hey, great. You know, whatever we can do to make it happen. And again, I've got some other folks that I want to try to get on to that I had reached out to and they had agreed as well. So... Going to hopefully get a lot more interviews here coming up in the next couple of months. With that said, it's been really a kind of crappy cyber news cycle. Just not that a whole lot that's screaming out. Um, Did do the event last Thursday with the National Cybersecurity Alliance, Department of Homeland Security. Was a little disappointed in the turnout. Come on, Indy! I know you could do better than that, especially on the family and home. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't dissuade the National Cybersecurity Alliance from coming back in the future. Dan Elliot, who or Daniel Elliot, excuse me, who was the person in charge of getting this set up and all that is has some Indiana ties. So I felt really bad that at least this, the first half was or wasn't as uh, a high turnout as it was. It looked like the second half, the secure my business w- went pretty well, had a decent turnout. So anyway, hopefully the next time they come in, we could represent a, what indie is, you know, the tech community that we're all taking up responsibility in our own hands to secure our family and not let the government do that for us. Because again, as you know, it's a personal accountability thing, making sure that we secure ourselves in all facets of our lives. So I've got a couple of news articles here that are somewhat interesting, uh, that two from The Hill and two from Wired. So the first one here is entitled Senators introduce bipartisan bill restricting police use of facial recognition technology. And if you recall, Lindsay Marie and I talked about this the last time I had her on. I've mentioned this in a previous show about a data breach specifically that happened with DHS and the compromise of facial recognition and other sensitive data that they had. But uh, the article, Senators Christopher Coons, Democrat Delaware, and Mike Lee, Republican Utah, introduced a bipartisan bill Tuesday requiring law enforcement to obtain court orders to use facial recognition technology for surveillance. The Facial Recognition Technology Warrant Act would limit surveillance warrants to 30 days and set rules to minimize the collection of information about individuals outside the warrant's scope. It would also require judges granting law enforcement requests for using the technology to notify the Administrative Office of the United States courts, which would turn and catalog uh, the data for Congress. The bill comes as several cities and states are limiting law enforcement use of facial recognition technology, which scans faces for the purposes of identifying individuals. Unlike several of those laws, the senator's bills include a carve-out for exigent circumstance where a court order would not be needed to use the technology, which critics argue expand the unwarranted surveillance and exacerbates racial discrimination because of a tendency to be inaccurate, especially for people of color. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I've not done enough uh, studying uh, or research To know if there one has been any research done on that particular piece. In general, I'm okay with this law. There's the piece about turning it into Congress to the administrative office, which seems to me is expanding duties a little bit. There's probably not going to be any budget associated with this. So, is it actually going to be, or is that work actually going to get done? I don't know. Um, again to whether or not facial recognition technology is actually racist i don't know i it's bits and bites yeah could you introduce some bias into the algorithms yeah that's possible but enough to say it's racist i don't know i mean white people look alike black people look like i it's so how that is racist in my mind i just don't know but you know, for full disclosure, I've not done enough research to know to have an informed opinion, just giving it kind of as I understand it today. Uh, to bypass court authorization, law enforcement would have to determine their needs make it impractical to obtain a covered court order and that there are grounds under which one would be obtained if a request was submitted. All of that is. Sounds very typical to what happens in law enforcement right now when there is a requirement for a warrant, and there's also an exemption for exigent exigent circumstances, which means there's an emergency there. Uh, Same way if you're chasing somebody or even doing a a search for weapons or, or something dangerous. So that all sounds pretty in line with current judicial and laws as well. So no real issues in my opinion there. Quote, that is why American citizens deserve protection from facial recognition abuse. He continued. This bill accomplishes that by requiring federal law enforcement agencies to obtain a warrant before conducting ongoing surveillance of a target. Absolutely. Could not agree with that quote anymore. Unfortunately, uh, let's see a little bit too little too late. We are already way past the surveillance state with the Patriot Act and the FISA ruling or not ruling the laws. So I, it, it is a step in the right direction. So I can't really criticize that too much. Uh, I quote here, quote, the bill falls woefully short of protecting people's privacy rights and is inconsistent with existing Supreme Court precedent. Congress should put brakes on this technology not ineffective band aids uh, that if that is true, but again, like I said, I think for the most part, it's a step in the right direction. They're trying to limit the power of federal law enforcement when it comes to surveillance. So, um, again, that article from The Hill, a little, and you guys know the, and I talked to, I mentioned Lindsay Marie in that conversation I had with her a while back. About the area 51 that was one of those memes things that I'm like yes this is why the internet was made absolutely loved the area 51 the and I haven't at least in a public arena done a whole lot with this next meme but at least between my buddies Jonathan and Mike we've been sharing these "Epstein didn't kill himself" memes. So I I don't necessarily buy into the the conspiracy theory, quote unquote. I do think it's awfully odd how somebody with that much dirt on the Clintons and other powerful people just ended up killing himself, and how many other people, especially associated with the the Clintons, their deaths have been very mysterious i mean just so i think that all feeds into this current epstein didn't kill himself meme kind of wave if you will because it is there's a ton of them many many per day that are coming across my social media feed some of them are kind of eh. there's some other ones that are are kind of humorous and the ones that are humorous are i'm you know, just sharing between my buddies, and, or at least the three of us. Uh, let's see, this one again from Wired. It's like a billboard for disillusionment and mistrust, and it's everywhere. Quote, Epstein didn't kill himself. The phrase that has been slapped on beer cans printed on sweatshirts. Bored as a non-sequelter in cable news interviews. Scrawled on posters. Held up at Southern College football games and on San Francisco bar bathroom walls cramped with sharpied phone numbers and profanity. It's popped up on classical music subreddits where it was determined that the phrase is in 7 8 time. It's been not so secretly spelled out in the impeachment related tweets of Representative Paul Gosser. You may remember him. As the guy who couldn't get an endorsement from his own siblings while running for office. This week, he's the guy whose last 23 posts are paranoid, crostic, pardon my southern Indiana pronunciation of things, and public school education. It's become a joke on dating apps and it's been an insistent talking point for social media users left, right, and slant ways. See, despite his popularity amongst, uh, amongst staunch Trump supporters... Uh, see there we go. Let's uh, let's tag this and tie it to Trump. Uh, of course, everything's you know Trump or Trump supporters' fault, but you know uh, that's that's what it is. I guess the quote: "Epstein didn't kill himself." Meanwhile, political isn't actually partisan. Millionaire sex offender Jeffrey Epstein died in jail in August while waiting to be tried for trafficking minors. Which the early demise of Epstein and the fact that he will never see justice and the folks that he's exploited and taken advantage of will not get their day in court is very upsetting to me that in itself that this guy took the coward's way out is probably the most infuriating that i can get when it comes to dealing with these type of scumbags Epstein had been facing allegations of sex trafficking and sexual abuse of dozens of girls some as young as 14 over the decade or over a decade in 2008 he served 13 months in jail after pleading guilty to soliciting sex from a minor he consorted with many powerful men including president trump and clinton and is likely his likely conviction was posed to be the me too movement's biggest public victories since Harvey weinstein or larry nasser now i will say from a political standpoint from the right or the left that are probably tied up in this issue and with epstein not able to now name names because he's dead i'm sure there are a lot of folks that are wrapped up in this that are probably an and unfortunately sleeping a little bit better but let's talk about this whole fascination with memes. Again, I'll have the links to this article in the show notes. But what is it about these memes, whether it's Area 51 or other memes, I know there's the one with Cameron Diaz and the cat, what is it about these these things, this format that is so powerful and really just has a and especially the the ones here that have gone beyond viral, whatever that term is, just latches onto us and just will not go away. Now, there's those out there in the world that will say, got to put controls on these. This is how disinformation is spread. This is how the alt-right or the far-left, blah, 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 they come up with reasons of why these memes shouldn't be allowed out in the the realm. I don't know. It's just very fascinating to me from a social construct of why these type of things, and go back to the conversation again that I had about the face app that would change your age from whatever age you are today to 100 years old or revert back in time, why those things just tend to hang on or go viral in the first place i know very fascinating but you'll see political pundits you'll see folks especially on the the political left attack these memes and use it as a way to want to put controls on speech by using well it's disinformation this is just allowing conspiracy theories to to not only thrive And stay persistent, but grow and and get out there and infect everybody. I don't know. I I don't think that's the case. I think there is a lot of mystery surrounding Epstein, a lot of of the oligarchy in this country, the aristocrats in this country that think they have or or think they are untouchable and are allowed or in their minds to do whatever they want because they have money, they have power. And then a guy like Epstein, who can, who has ties to a lot of very influential, very powerful people doing some really God forsaken, ugly, dark things. And hopefully, you know, at least at the time when he was arrested, that those people were going to be brought down. But then he commits suicide while in protective federal custody. That just feeds... Our distrust with our government, and I think that may be one of the reasons with these things, where a a meme like Epstein didn't kill himself takes hold because of that distrust that's there between the little guys, the the middle or lower class, and versus the powerful people. Again, from a, a human psychology standpoint, the way these memes take hold are very fascinating to me. So. All right, Um, moving on real quick in the last couple minutes here, another article from The Hill, this one, the civil rights groups demand changes to Facebook's political speech policy. A coalition of civil rights groups are demanding that Facebook overhaul its political speech policy, according to a letter obtained by The Hill Thursday. The letter dated Friday followed up on a meeting between Mark Zuckerberg and leaders of the groups including the the NAACP, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, Color of Change, and the National Action Network at Facebook CEO's home earlier this month, the organizations which also include Muslim Act or Advocates, U, UNIDOS US, U-N-I-D-O-S U.S. never heard of them, and the National Urban League are asking for a response from Facebook by November 25th. Among the requests made in the letter is putting, quote, guardrails on the newsworthiness exemption, referring to Facebook's community guidelines allowing content or content from political figures to stay up even if it breaks some of the social media platforms' policies, quote, as we made clear in our discussion politicians are and historically have been key proprietors of rhetoric that incites racial religious and anti-immigrant violence and voter suppression in our nation the groups wrote of course they're talking about the republican side not to mention that the democrat side is probably just as bad on those things so just want to point that out at least for my opinion if it, it the way that I take it is that they're talking about the the Republican groups, not the Democrat groups. Quote, the politician exemption and you are deeply connected to issues of voter and census suppression should be reformed accordingly. Again, I'm not saying that Republicans are necessarily innocent. Pretty close to Chicago. Uh, I, Chicago is a highly Democrat city. A lot of issues up in Chicago on that. So, just as as a a guide, let's uh, for you guys as you're reading articles like this, don't just take at face value with what these folks are saying. Do a little, do a little digging, ask some questions, challenge what you're reading. Uh, the civil rights group also called on Facebook to subject political ads to third party fact checking. Facebook has come under intense scrutiny for its policies launched in October, not to fact check or block advertisements from politicians over false or misleading claim. The social media giant has defended the policy saying it's not the place of a private company or the place of private companies to police political speech. It's not the anybody's business to police political speech from a, any organization that is our responsibility as individuals. Now, Facebook, especially during the 2016 election was very bad at blocking Republicans and conservative viewpoints. So to say that now, and again, no matter what side of the political aisle you are, blocking speech of the opponent or a side that you don't like is not good at all. Because those who are in power, when they do it, and when they come out of power, they end up and are experiencing the same thing that they've did, it's not good. It's just not good all around. It is not, and I repeat, it is not the responsibility of the government to block political speech. In fact, it's illegal for the government to do that. An organization should not be policing. It should be the individuals that are challenging this. Go inform your damn self. Don't rely on somebody else to tell you, not even me. Go get the education, or not the education, go Research, do the digging, come to the consensus on your own. Don't rely on others to think for you. Because whether you, a Democrat's in charge of the company or, or the company is leaning left or liberal, or if the company is leaning right and Republican, if you're going to allow this type of situation that Facebook has allowed or Twitter, outside of harassing and threatening violence, I, you know, I, I it, when it comes to political speech, it gets very dangerous when we, no matter who we put in charge, whether it's the government or the private industry, it is a very dangerous and slippery slope when political speech, free speech is quenched. I do want to clarify one thing here real quick before I finish up and wrap the show up for today. Facebook is a private platform that is open to the public. Yes, it is their platform, and they can do with their platform anything that they want to. That doesn't mean they should. If you're going to allow the openness of the of a platform like this to exist, they allow the exchange of free ideas, It is a very dangerous and slippery slope when you start policing that speech. Yes, I understand, and they have the terms of use. We all have agreed to it, whether we actually read it or not. So if you're going out and threatening to attack somebody or you're posting very lewd or criminal content, yes, that should be blocked and dealt with. But as far as the political speech goes, I think it it, it is a very dangerous place to be when you, regardless of the, the political bent to it, when you start controlling that, bad things can happen. Okay, guys, that's it for this week's show. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for all of you taking that time, all of you who support this show. If you want to join in on the conversation, go to the show's webpage at cybernowpod.com. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to get a hold of me directly, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore polititech, or you can email me at nick at thepolitotech.com. You can find the show on Twitter and Facebook at cybernowpod. Finally, if you think this show is worthy, Go to iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting platform to subscribe, rate, review, and don't forget to share the show. If you guys do all that, I promise I will be back again to do this thing once more. Until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.